All right, here we go. Another Square Dance Callers Talking episode. Uh, tonight, I have the honor of talking with uh, a longtime caller. He's a caller. He, he instructs callers. He's a caller teacher. Um, he um, works with dancers. He's called for many clubs. He's called internationally around the world. We're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, he's currently in Alabama, and we'll, we'll see where he started out. But tonight, I have Tom Miller. How are you, sir? I am wonderful, Charlie. Thanks for uh, asking me to do your podcast. This Absolutely, sir. Um, as we talked before, you were one of the um, main reasons I started this. We were at dinner one night, and I heard some stories, and I thought, man, I want people to hear the Square Dance Caller stories. So uh, you were part of the foundation of this when I decided, hey, let's do something. And I didn't tell you all that night, but that's where we are. So you're in that's Alabama cool. right now? Well, I'm I'm part time. You know, okay. I still have I still have I still have a Pennsylvania address and a home up north. And uh, but I'm blessed to have, you know, Pauline uh, Angris in my life. And uh, so, uh, with when I'm not calling and doing a whole lot of traveling, I'm usually here and and um, just enjoying life and enjoying each other. So, it's kind of uh, been it's been pretty special actually. And so, what part of Alabama are you in? Uh, Gunnersville, which is like the northeast quadrant, you know, okay. it's a little bit, a little bit of southeast of Huntsville, a little bit of uh, north of uh, Birmingham. So, okay. about an hour from Birmingham, forty minutes or so from um, Huntsville, and only like thirty minutes from Jet. Okay. okay. Don't tell them, but that's don't tell them, but that's thirty minutes too close. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. Um, uh, I, I've, I've heard of the area of being from Georgia. Uh, I know that I had seen you um, before we got to meet, got to know each other and talk a little bit at Caller Labs and different things. I would see you at the Georgia convention and um, sometimes at the state convention and, of course, at Caller Lab and national conventions. And even before we knew each other, when I was just uh, nobody at Caller Lab knew who I was except for a couple people out of Georgia you were the one you would go out of your way to talk to me, man. And it's, it's folks like you that would keep me in the business um, because I love calling and you're one of the guys that stands out that just welcomes everybody and you work with callers. Tell me about working with callers and teaching them and stuff. Well, I've been pretty blessed. I My, my first uh, time teaching a caller school was 1985 or 86. And I've been teaching callers ever since. And, um, my one of my passions is is just loving to teach other guys how to call other people how to call is is one of my favorite things to do um i i like the the challenge behind new callers that's never picked up a microphone um to watch them progress within a couple of days calling patter into the singing call I, I like to watch those coming to a caller school that only does a couple of singing calls, but when they walk away, they're calling patter. They're understanding the mechanics and, and things like that. And so uh, if, if I had to, uh, if, if I had to stop calling tomorrow because of losing my voice or something like that, I still wish I, I could teach. I, that would be one of my dreams just to continue teaching, just to help out with square dancing, you know? Um, but I think if you ask most uh, callers that are out there training callers, 
Um, any one of the accredited, accredited caller coaches with Caller Lab, they'll tell you that's one of the favorite things to do is to sure. teach. And uh, the joy of just watching them grow in a short period of time is, is just, it's just a really great feeling to have. So, I can tell you from the times that, you know, when I started out uh, years ago and I went to a bunch of schools um, over the years at different places. And, uh, man, when you're up there and you're site calling or doing whatever memory you have in modules and everything, and you are truly site calling and you see that first element left when you're just up there. I mean, and then when you sit down, it's almost like you've had flashbacks to you saying something to me or Tony Oxendine, I've been to a ton of his schools, Ken Rattucci also, um, you know, when I call Alaman left, I'm like, oh my gosh, because I see it. Um, so what you do is huge for callers, especially starting out at any level. And so, well, you know, go ahead. And why, and why you see it is because the light bulb came on. Mm -hmm. That's, that's why, that's why you've seen it, you know, and to have that knowledge base, you know, to have that knowledge base is one thing, but know how to use it, use it as another. Right. You know, if you don't understand it and you're just going to call off the cuff, you're, you're, yeah, you're going to be successful, but it's not going to look pretty. It's not going to be good for you. So that's why I tell guys to know your, your choreographic management. If you're fairly new, don't be rushing into site calling. You know, it's that we're like a carpenter when we're learning stuff. We need to build the foundation before we put the the roof on. And that's really important to anybody that's listening to this podcast. If you're a newer caller within the last couple of years, keep doing what you're doing and don't get frustrated because building a house sometimes can be just be heart wrenching. It's difficult. And Squarean's calling is not easy. It's a lot more difficult today than it was back back in the 70s when I learned how to call. And uh, and so you, you just got to keep working at it. And if, if you're frustrated with the, with the stuff that you're doing, you're learning because you're going to learn from that frustration. You're going to learn from those little mistakes. So 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 when you do that elemental left that you weren't expecting or a surprise right and left grand and you see it and you're excited, that's because finally someone clicked the switch and the light bulb came on and then you work around that. So uh, that's really important for new guys to, to, uh, to understand. So when did you start calling? When's the first time you decided, oh, Hey, I want to be a caller and you got a shot at it. Well, you know, I listened to all of your podcasts and it is amazing that I think every single one of us had almost the same kind of story. Their mom and dad started to dance uh, and we'd be going to camp outs and I'd be the only kid that wasn't dancing. And then all of a sudden here I am getting thrown into a square, not knowing what direction to go. And then I said, nope, that's not for me. And then uh, at the age of 14, uh, and that was in 1972, 1973, um, and, and let me stop there just for a minute. You got to realize back in the early 70s, there was a lot of teen clubs. And in central Pennsylvania, within probably within a 25-mile radius, there might have been 14 clubs. So the teens had their own place to go, and all the other clubs were adult clubs. And you had to be 18 or older to join those clubs. So, so even if a parent 
had a child that was 14 or 15 years old, you couldn't take lessons there because you weren't the age at the club. Yeah. So it just so happens to be that I, my mom and dad asked me if I'd be interested in taking square dance lessons. And I said, no, not really. And, and, and they said, well, uh, you know, so-and-so don't you? And I said, yeah. They said, well, she wants to take lessons. And I said, really? And I was 14 at the time. And I said, in that case, yeah, I'm in. So they, they fought at the club. They had a little argument disagreeing. And finally, uh, the, uh, the club made a ruling that you had to be 14 years old, but be with a parent or a guardian. Well, it turned out to be that we really weren't allowed to sport dance with the adults in that club. But within a short period of time, um, the young lady who I was dancing with and myself, we were the only teenagers. Well, the following lessons, we grew from like that one, her and I, up to almost two squares of kids from the parents in that club. But we weren't allowed to dance with the adults. We had to stay in with our own age group. And then all of a sudden, people says, wait a minute, they're having way too much fun. We want to try that. We want to do that. And we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't, you can't do that. And, uh, but, and all of a sudden, within a very short period of time, all that stuff went away. And we, we, we probably had four squares of kids dancing within about a three year period. I started calling and uh, dancing in 1973. And I started calling in 1973. Okay. Um, I was always a person growing up as a kid, always being in front of people, making people laugh, making, make, telling jokes, singing songs. I was always like that because we went camping. And if, any, if, my, if my mom and dad couldn't find me, all they needed to do was find a campfire with, with me around it. And that's where all the kids were. And, I, and that's just the way I was. So sport dance calling with me was, was, was you know, difficult, but it wasn't difficult for me to stand up in front of people. Okay. So, this is pretty cool. And when I had showed interest that I wanted to be a caller, the club caller took took me pretty much by the horns, and he's the one that taught me how to call square dances. And if it wasn't for that person, I'm not sure where I would be in my square dance calling today. And that was Bruce Williamson from Altona, Pennsylvania. And uh, Bruce sat with me for hours and hours upon hours. And then I went to my color school. I went to the first color school and uh, I was still 14. I was a week shy of being 15 when I went to color school. Shortly after that, I had my first club right after uh, Labor Day of 74. So, and, uh, and, and then everything just kind of went on from there. I went to another color school in 77 and that's just Park, Colorado. And then, um, it, it just, uh, you know, as a teen caller, the national conventions in the late 70s, uh, 77 for me, uh, I didn't get to go to any, anything before that, uh, was in Atlantic City, uh, I think with like 34,000 people at the national convention at the time, and, and standing up there in, in front of 200, 300 squares was just like, this is what I want to do. Fantastic. This is what I wanted to do. Now, I always... I always wanted to be a state police officer when I was when I was younger, mm -hmm. and um, 
there has been times that I have regretted not doing that. But I got right out of high school and went completely right into full-time calling sport dances. I, uh, even when I was in my junior and senior year, uh, they would leave me go on Friday because I was be out traveling, uh, doing road trip on the weekend, Friday, Saturday. And I wasn't old enough to drive. So my mom and dad, my mom and daddy drove me all over the country. And then my dad started working and it was just my mom and I. So my mom drove me all over the country. And in the summertime, when I didn't have my license, my mom and I, we would do a week, two weeks on the road uh, doing, doing all these dances. So it has been quite interesting in the early, early years of my calling and all that. That's and then, uh, yeah. So, but it's been fun. And, but it's funny that everybody, everybody has that same story. They started when they were like 13, 12, you know, 14 years old. And I'm like, wow, that is just bizarre how we all started. Yeah. It's almost. Cause unfortunately you don't see a lot of that now, uh, just times changing, whatever, and interest. Um, so you certainly don't see it. Um, it's nice when you do run across, um, some of the younger guys and girls that are starting to call. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, it's important with the teachers, such as yourself, that work with callers to get that going. That's, I mean, that's, I didn't, I didn't, I'd never heard that about you. You think about it with all the travel baseball and travel uh, basketball and stuff that kids have today. You were traveling square dance caller, your mom driving you around, uh, spending weeks on the road. I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic there. story. I, I, I was out there trying to get known in the whole bit. Now, something, too, in 2000, I taught high school for 16 years, uh, teaching square dancing in phys ed. Okay. Um, from every, everything from first grade all the way up through seniors. And then my last, uh, my last 10 years, uh, the school decided to only do um, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, and 11th, and 12th graders. So I taught high school for a good many years. And all the kids are like sponges. So there's a lot of people up in central Pennsylvania that, that can dance mainstream. Oh, that's great. I did not know that. Yeah. So you started doing your own dances around 74. You had your first club in 74. I um, did. And uh, then you're traveling around with your parents and your mom a lot, too, when your dad's working. And um, what levels... Of course, then it was mainstream and plus. What levels do you call to now? I call through C1. Okay. But back in the back in the early 70s, we had the Club 50. We didn't have their, the, the list didn't come along until, you know, the late 70s, you know, okay. um, with the plus and everything. So, but it was the, you know, Club 50. We I took a 12-week lesson course. Uh, and you never knew what the, what the caller was going to teach. You never knew what he was going to call the next week or he could be teaching a motivate for all we know. It was uh, just before the before the uh, the list came out and everything got uniform. Then, then that's when the things got you know the mainstream and the plus and things like that. So um, it was a uh, learning learning how to call the club fifty. It was a big transition for me to go from there to mainstream and the plus, and learning how to call all that stuff in a, in a very short period of time. Because as soon as the list comes out, the, the plus dances were going on. It was it used to be plus one and plus two back then. So you had to know the plus one list. You had to know the plus two list. And then finally, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to say that people got smart, but they combined it the two and made it a lot easier for all of us. But um, 
but anyway, yeah, and it was uh, it was fun. Uh, I would I would travel twelve hours to do a three hour dance on a Saturday night. Get up get up the next morning and drive home, uh, or 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 travel twelve hours to do a three hour dance, and the next day I had to be twelve hours to do a dance at two o'clock Sunday afternoon. So my my mom or my dad or we'd be driving all night long to get me to where I need to be on Sunday. And then we had to get back home so my daddy could go to work. I remember many times my daddy got home at 3.30 from the weekend on a Monday morning and just go in and change clothes and went right to work. Right. You know, but, but that was that was uh, it was a different lifestyle back then. Sure. You know? sure. Um, it was it was it was fun. I went and traded for the world. Well, and, and like I, I've, I've told a few people, I didn't have the youth. I started square dancing 32 years ago and started calling about 10 or 12 years ago, 14 years ago, roughly. Um, so I didn't have that youth part. I wish I would, uh, so I'd have had more of a base. But now that being said, at some point you joined Caller Lab, and am I correct that you were on the board for 27 years? Is that how long? 27 years. Uh, 27 I, years. I think I joined. I think I joined Caller Lab in, in 1977 and went to quite a few conventions. Uh, uh, I think I went to 36 or 37, maybe even 38 conventions. Uh, and then in 1995, the, the, the Pittsburgh Caller Lab, uh, Caller Lab is in Pittsburgh. And that's when Billy Harrison and I made a decision that we were going to run for the board. And, and, and I said to Billy, I said, do you think we get on? Billy goes, I don't know. Because the time that we ran for the board, that was in 1995 that we ran. So there was 23 or 26 people running for the board at the time. And we, we, we were blessed to get onto the board uh, with that many callers on there. We were just totally surprised sure. that we were, we were voted on. And so we got on, uh, we were sworn in in Kansas City of 1996. And we just, we both just retired from the Board of Governors. We didn't retire from calling like a lot of people think we did. We retired from the Board of Governors after being on there from 1996 up to uh, the 2023. So, yeah, um, I do remember that. Man. And I couldn't thank you enough for that. I've been in Caller Lab for about 12 years now. And um, again, seeing you at Caller Lab and talking to you, and uh, the Caller Lab has done a lot for me. And you were a part of that because you were on the board the whole time that I've been in it. Um, it was it, it was fun. I would I would have I would say anybody give it a whirl. You know, don't don't shy from it. Uh, and if you don't get on the first time that you run, try again. You know, um, it's it's it was quite interesting. I wouldn't take anything back of all those years that I sat on the Board of Governors. Um, a lot of time, a lot of time spent, a lot of money spent, but I don't regret it one bit. No, that's, that, that's, Color Labs, a Color Lab is a passion of mine, without a doubt. So you start doing dances in 74, you've been doing them up until now, I'm still doing them, not retired. What is your process to, to program a dance, let's say, and it's not one of your clubs. Somebody says, hey, can Tom, can you come over Saturday night to our club, Mainstream Plus? Um, how do you go about programming a dance yourself? 
I try to find out where they are with the list. Are they new dancers? Are they are they well seasoned dancers? And and then I kind of go from there. Um, so sometimes you can program a dance and think that you have all your ducks in a row, and all of a sudden when you get there. Them ducks are scattered all over the place. You don't know where in the heck to go. You don't know how to get them back together. And it's, it's going to happen to everybody sooner or later. But I start small. I, I do my building blocks. I, I, I let them get used to the voice. I, I, and I don't go in and push them. I start easy. It's like building that house. And I start in, in about the third, fourth tip. I'll give them a little bit more benefit of the doubt and do something maybe a little different. And if they didn't get it the first time, I give them the benefit of doing it again a second or third time. And if I don't see they can get it, then I know that I need to back back away a little bit and go into a different avenue and try something different. But when you're programming a dance, you 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 got to program it. It's not about you and how you're going to call it. It's about the dancers and how they can be successful. And um, and that's the main goal that every one of us callers should have when we're calling a club dance or a Saturday night dance. We want everybody to be successful. Absolutely. You know, they're, it's their hobby. Uh, you know, it's my job, and I chose to do a job that was their hobby. So at least I can do is let them have fun. Uh, programming a dance can, can means a lot of things. Uh, not just choreographic, but is it a theme dance? Is it, you know, if it's a Valentine's dance, then you want to do the Valentine's song. You want to do love songs. If it's a Halloween song, you want to do some spooky songs. Not every tip, but if, and if it's a, um, a hobo dance, then you want to do train songs. You know, at least, you know, half of the half the songs. So I prepare for that. I, I have my list on my player. If it's a 50 song, I got all my 50s music. I just click on it, bam, there it is. Same way with the hobo dance. Um, uh, up here in Fort Payne, I have a club in Fort Payne, Alabama that I call for. And one year we did an Alabama dance. Uh, so that, that's where the, the musical group Alabama is from there at Fort Payne. So we did all Alabama songs for the whole night. And it was it was a fun dance. Uh, so programming, you know, is is a lot of uh, you know it's a, it's a wide spectrum of things. Um, you know, uh, Tim Tim Mariner was probably by far one of the best people that could program a dance. Had have everything that he needed to do, <clears throat> and and he showed me one time that he kept track of what bolo he wore, what pants he wore, what shirt he wore. So nobody's seen him repeat it at any one of those dances at his club dance, a Saturday night dance, maybe that he went to three or four years or three times a year. He would go back and look at the first dance and he said, okay, I wore a red shirt with a blue bolo and my blue jeans. So I won't wear that again. The guy was phenomenal, but but programming a dance, you, you gotta you gotta be prepared and you could have all that choreographic stuff down workshop or anything you want to do differently and the dancers are not going to be able they're just not capable or they could be better than what you written you know the kind of better than better than the material that you had written for it so you you, you gotta you know we gotta have like a toolbox like a carpenter we gotta pull out any possible tool at any given time as a caller when we program things 
I tell you, I went, I had a dance, let's guess and say four years ago, and I was just getting going. And so I would set out all my patter songs, all my callers, and that wasn't a theme dance. I had all my singing calls that I wanted to do, and I was like, let's do this, let's do this for the plus. And I walked in there, and uh, the president said, hey, I just want to let you know this is our halfway dance for our mainstream dance. And I thought, well, there goes everything I've planned, you know, because I planned on all my singing calls, my plus, my even my mainstream. I was like, let's do some of these patterns in my singing calls. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. What do you consider halfway? You know, so you got to adjust on the fly and made it through, had a good time that night. But, you know, you, you get this thing in your head. Hey, I want to do this tonight with the plus. And they say, we're not going to do plus. We're just going to do a halfway dance. So, yeah. I, I appreciate, I, I understand uh, program at a dance, but you've got to be able to turn it around the moment you walk in the door, if that be the case. And, and the only good thing about that, not being able to call what you had planned, is that it's prepared and ready to go for the next time you do a dance. Yeah. Yep. You don't have to do, you don't have to do that work over. That's the only good thing about that is, but yeah, it, and it can be frustrating. Uh, uh, and but everybody thinks that we get up there and we can just do whatever, you know. It doesn't matter. What, what what does it? You know. Okay, you prepared for a plus dance, but what does it matter if it's only the first twenty calls? It does matter when you're writing your material, when you're when you're putting your stuff together. It's it's really, it's a big deal uh, for some. I know it would be for me if uh, if I had my mindset as calling a uh, plus dance and they said, oh, we're already doing the first twenty basics tonight. Man, I got to get my mind thinking it yep. completely different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, but it's all good. At the end so, of the day, it's all good. Um, I was looking. I saw that um, you've recorded for some labels. What what uh what some of the songs you've rec recorded? Well, in nineteen eighty one, I had the pleasure of recording on Lumac, and I recorded the uh, Dolly Parton song, Nine to Five. That was my first recording. Wow, okay. And uh, I was on there for several years, and then I went to K-Lox, and I went to Eureka. Then I went to Hi-Hat. In the meantime, I did a little other calls here and there. Uh, and then I've, I've been blessed to be on uh, ESP now since 2001. And um, I, I, I like the love ballads. That's what I'm noted for is my love ballads. But I do a lot of other genre too, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not a big rock and roller, you know, like like Tony and and and, and yourself. I mean, I've already called with Tony, and I heard Tony Tony looking over to Jerry's story and said, "You know what? This man don't have a bit of rock and roll in his soul," because I was raised up. I was raised up on country. That's what we lived in, you know, in the in the in the in the, in the country of Pennsylvania. And uh, it was all country. And I love the old style country. So I recorded a lot of songs, you know, uh, People Aren't Crazy. I did that on ESP, which I think is just a great song. It, it tells a whole story about this whole country, you know, that people are really crazy. Um, it, uh, I, I've done uh, Engine Engine number nine. Uh, Let's Twist Again was a, was a good song for Eureka Records that I recorded with Kip Garvey. Um, is it still over the Randy Travis song that he oh, did? Love that song. Okay. Still through? Yeah, so I recorded that on Eureka. Um, so I, I recorded probably 
not like a lot of the other guys, but I'm pretty proud on what I recorded. I'm well over probably 150 songs, I would probably think, since 1981. And um, I just got new music to record another one here. Uh, the one I recorded that just came out, uh, Everybody's Reaching Out for Someone is just a really... Uh, it's a, that's, it's on, a, that's on ESP? That's, that's on, on ESP. ESP. That's what I, I thought yeah. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Then I had the pleasure recording for uh, Shauna. I, mm -hmm. I did several songs for her. I did uh, Because and Blue California. And um, so I was I was pretty blessed to uh, to record a couple of songs for her label as well. And wow. then I did I did one for Tom Manning and some for Scotty Brown on Gold Rush. Okay, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just love to record. I, I think it's, uh, it's just fun. Um, you know, and we think about square dancing in general, back in the 80s, 70s, I'll go back to the 70s. And then in the 80s, we were selling 10,000, 8,000, 5,000 pieces of music. And now a big hit for ESP is 50, 60 copies, if we're lucky, if we're lucky. And it's just a it's just a whole new it's a whole new world out there, you know. Um, and we don't want to see these these labels go to the wayside because that's what keeps us going. And I can't stress to people, you know, stay stay away from the karaoke music and mm -hmm. spend a couple extra bucks and support the record labels. I I, I am a firm believer in that. I try to at least once or twice a month, and it. I'm all over the place with the record labels. I mean, I, I love some of the newer ones, but even the gold rushes and the ones that have been around that, that have been around for a little while, I'll go grab one. I just uh, grabbed two from ESP. Um, <sighs> why don't we just dance? Yeah, uh, I, I bought that one two nights ago um, because my son, who uh, is not a square dancer, he just called me one night and said, "Hey, have you ever done this song?" Because he was listening no. to the original. And um, so I was like, sure. And so I grabbed it and I've uh, been practicing. I'm probably going to do it tomorrow night at my club's dance. Uh, but I try and buy one or two a month at least. And I think if every caller or a lot of callers would do that, first of all, your dancers would prosper from it, um, hearing something different. Um, so I think you really should get out and buy stuff. So sure. the karaoke, I mean, it's, it is what it is. I, I've probably used one or two karaoke songs in the few years that I've been calling, but it's just not the same. I mean, if you hear yeah. a, a Ted Lazat take a song that is karaoke and make it a song for Square Dance, it's much better. So uh, I didn't know this. Oh, absolutely. I didn't realize this, but um, people are crazy. I bought that one years ago, um, and I did that. That was one of my first five songs probably that I did because I love the original song. Did not know that was yours. I appreciate it. I got a lot of wear and tear out of that thing years ago. Um, just broke it out a few months ago again, uh, but love the, the story song like that. So, yeah, it's pretty good. It was funny. It was I, yours. I, 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 yeah, I had recorded. You know, um, um, you know, God is great. Beer is good. Yeah. You know, people are crazy. people are crazy. Yeah. We can't we can't be using the word beer. So that's why I come up with God is good. God is great. Right. People, are, People crazy. are crazy. Yep. And the first couple of times I did it, your version. And then after I got used to it and I was at clubs that knew me, 
I would put in there beers. I mean, because I knew I was a beer guy anyway. So, you know, some places you can get away with it. Some days you don't try it. So I, I, do, I do that now, too. Also, I, you know, I, I do the same thing when I do it. But it's a great song. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, one of the one of the uh, songs that sold well for ESP was I Still Like Baloney. OK, I have not heard it. OK. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I believe it's an Alan Jackson song, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really, it's fun to do. It's good. It's good to do. Yeah. So, so can you tell me? Uh, and I ask every, um, a lot of people I talk to, if you had three, three favorite singing calls, what would they be? Oh my God, Charlie! I, I know you can't do it, but if you came to my club tomorrow night and I said, Tom, go up there and do a couple singing calls for me. What are you going to pull out? I would probably pull out um, Royals uh, Danny song mm -hmm. and probably Blueberry Hill. Neither oh. one of them on Okay. Neither one of them. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I, those are two of my favorite songs. I, I, um, and if I had to go to the third one, I'd probably skip over to Rhythm and pick their Somewhere Wonderful. Okay. Um, and then um, I'm kind of partial to ESP. I do a lot of ESP stuff, but um, I, I classify those three songs as um, what I call my show tunes, you know, because of the, the vocal range that I can go and do. Um, but we have a lot of, we have a lot of good stuff on ESP. I, if I had to pick and choose three of my favorites on ESP, uh, People Are Crazy is one of them. Uh, made in Japan uh, would be another one of those that just came out in March, and my new one, reaching reaching out for someone. Those I think those would be three that I would be going to if I had to pick three ESP. You've been on the road for a long time, calling your whole life pretty much. Um, give me a funny story, whether it be a dancer or something you and some other callers got caught up in. I know you probably got more than we can talk for four hours doing. But give me a good oh, story. You know, there's there's always practical jokers. I I was sitting listening to Je Justin Russell do his podcast, and he got talking about being duct taped to the Rolo bed. Yes. Justin was was not the first caller for that to ever happen to. Joe Saltel and Dan Norby mummified me to the bed with duct tape. And I mean, when I say mummified, the only thing I could move is my eyeballs. And I thought I passed out. No kidding. You know? Wow. And, uh, and, and I, I, I thought, I, I literally thought that I had died. And I'm thinking my mom's going to kill me. We were at the National Convention in St. Louis when that had happened. And I'm glad that Justin joined the ranks of being duct taped to a bed. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But um, Dan Dan Norby mentions it quite a bit, and we always get a big laugh out of it. Billy Harrison, we all used to room together, you know, cut costs down because we were all doing this for a living and out in the road. So anything we could do to cut costs down, we did it. So we always shared a room at the National, and and um, it, it was just always a good time. As as far as as stories, uh, Randy Doherty and Hunter Keller and I we went up after one of the uh, uh, the Silver State conventions there in Reno. 
we went up to Virginia City and, and got to be got to be a cowboy for the day. And if, if if you go out there somewhere on the internet, there's a picture of Randy Doherty and and uh, Hunter and and myself uh, looking like the Cartwrights. I had the big ten gallon hat on, and uh, Hunter was Little Joe, and, and we we just had a great time. Of course, there was never no you know alcohol involved, or anything like that. Never, wink, wink. Anyway, okay. um, yeah. It was it was really really fun. I mean, we we uh, the, the stories is and like you know the stuff that goes on stage when we're up there carrying on. If the people knew what was going on up there, they would just they'd shake their head and say, "Say really?" Because we have when we get four or five guys in a stage, there's conversations going on. And you know how difficult it is to call and listen and want to participate at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I always would see it before I called. I would see if you had three or four callers, you'd see one of them lean over and they're saying something in the other one's ear. You have no idea. And sometimes it's trying to break the other one up to kind of throw them off a little bit, just having fun with them. Well, Tony and Jerry, when you work with them, you never knew what was going to be. This was before computers. You never knew what record they were going to throw on the turntable. And nine times out of ten, it was probably going to be something that was going to be new for Royal. And uh, so you just never knew. And but, but but you know they did the opener. And Tony would do the figure, or vice versa. And they give you the next figure, and you better know the song by the time you get to the point where you need to be. Yeah. And I remember. Jerry, Tony, and Billy and I many years ago working together, and I, I I I knew the song a little bit. Tony and Jerry knew it very well, of course, and Billy didn't know the words, so I know he's watching my lips, and I'm and he's between you know he's he's watching me, and I'm like, well, you know, I had to learn to sing. You do it on your own, and when I started singing, I just covered my mouth, and he he couldn't he couldn't figure out the words. And and uh, he said some of the words. I bet you Tony 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 probably don't even remember that. And uh, and he he was saying words that was even part of the song. You know, needless to say, he was. Um, it was it was a big it was a big joke. It was pretty funny actually. Um, but there's a lot of stories. I mean, just just a lot of stories. Uh, a lot of a lot of late night partying because. We don't get a chance to see everybody only, but like at the national, or if we're, if we're blessed to do a festival together, or the Color Lab convention, or we we talk on the phone. So when we see only each other two times a year, maybe four times a year, we we want to we want to catch up. We you know we want to talk about old times, and we want to, and so so many stories. I mean, it just. Um, you know, if you read the book about Marshall Flippo that 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 Larna did, his story is a score dance collar is just incredible, yeah. and I could just I I couldn't even I couldn't even begin to imagine how that would be traveling with Marshall Flippo back in the day. Yep. Never. I asked Marshall Flippo one time. You were talking about records and all that. I asked Marshall Flippo. I said, with you being away all the time, what did you do? How did you learn new songs? And he said, well, I'd call the people up and tell them this is where I'm going to be. 
So send my 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 records there. So when I got to that house, I'd get the records. And I said, did you practice them in the house? He said, no, I practiced them in the car. And I'm like, how in the hell did you practice them in the car? And he said, I had an under the dash 45 RPM player. Wow. I thought he was joking me until I went out on the internet and searched it. <laughs> and sure enough, I found a 45 RPM under the dash. And I said to him, I says, hey, the next day, because I looked it up and I, I said, I, I saw the 45. He said, I, I wasn't joking. I said, how'd that work for me? He said, well, you, you, you didn't want to travel any bumpy roads while you were practicing singing. I don't know how you keep the needle on the record. That's amazing. I had no and, idea. Yeah, look it up on the internet. Look for a 45 RPM under the dash. And, it, and it, they weren't small. They weren't like this. They were like a big box. And, and Mar that's what Marshall Flipper told me. I said, I couldn't even begin to imagine that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the stories and the friendship and uh, the, the camaraderie that goes on with callers and the, the, the caring that we have for each other is just a bond that's pretty hard to explain. I agree. I agree. Your most mem you've called all around the world. Um, most memorable hall. Dance floor. What do you think? I mean, good dancers, you mean? Uh, good dancers or just the venue? Because we call in everything from a gym to a lunch hall. What do you think stands out to you? I, I think... Uh, uh, the, the the anniversary dance that the, the one club in Japan does, they dance at a, a venue over there that is just phenomenal. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the club. Shyota Squares, I think it's pronounced, I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I, re, I probably, I truly am. Um, you know, you're looking at 800 dancers. They're all dressed alike. They're, it's beautiful. It's just a, and um, it's, that's and over there they have not left go of the dress code like we have here uh, over there it's still the crinolines and the dresses and you know uh, but that comes to mind and they're beautiful dancers uh, the European dancers uh, are excellent dancers I you know I and here in the United States uh, if if I had to pick uh, uh, a favorite place be the Waska Festival in Washington D.C. I've heard of it. Have not uh, heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a great a great weekend. Uh, and it, but that's another one. It's hard to pick because you know when you do so many and you look at so many, but uh, the uh, you know the dancing is uh, spectacular. It's fun. A lot of energy. You know, uh, blessed to work with. Uh, many callers at the Washington Festival over the years. I've been on there since 1986. I think I come on 86 or 87 uh, to do the Waska Festival, and I've been there every year since. Uh, yeah, so, um, but uh, it's it's a great weekend, but there's a lot of other weekends. You know, Reno comes to mind, Golden State Festival comes to mind, um, any of the festivals, 
uh, in Albuquerque that's that's put on uh, by the group over there at the, at the hall. Their weekends. Uh, Bear Miller has a great Grange up there in the Denver area that's just fun to call in. You know, it's an old style range, really, really pretty, pretty fun to call in. Um, so, yeah, you know, I guess at the end of the day, no matter where we get to call, we're pretty blessed to get to call. So in all your, and all the levels that you call in and everything, um, can you pick out a favorite call? Just a call. You know what, Charlie? My favorite call is is whatever the dancers execute the call properly. That's okay. my favorite. Uh, that's I, I love watching dancers be successful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen all the time, but I like to watch them be successful. Uh, so. Any, any call you mentioned, as long as the dancers are successful with it, I'd pick. Now, if I had to sit down and, and answer your question, and I'm going to answer it now, I'm, I'm thinking uh, off of the mainstream list, I'm going to go mainstream uh, through advanced, or plus rather, off, off of the mainstream list is a grand square. I think it's one of the prettiest calls that we have. And if it's done properly, if you're standing up above it looking down, you see the old international symbol of interlocking squares. And that's what we see when we do the grand square. And when it's done properly, it is one of the prettiest things you ever want to see. And one of the things I don't understand is why people want a shortcut and do what it does, because you're taking away from what that call actually is a symbol of our square dancing heritage. It's that, that interlocking squares that used to be our symbol for square dancing all over the world. So that's my favorite at the mainstream. And plus, I think I'd like to do um, the Relay the Ducey slash Spin Chaining Change of Gears. Relay the Ducey being my first one. I, I like, I love Relay the Ducey. Uh, and I'll tell you why I like it. I like Relay the Ducey because it gives me, in a short period of time, to think what I may be able to call next. Because you know yourself, Relay the Ducey is, is a zero. It doesn't do anything but move dancers from one side of the square to the other. Hold on one second. <laughs> so it doesn't do anything. So while they're doing it, my mind's thinking for my next five, six, seven calls that I can put together. And uh, so guys should take advantage of stuff like that when we have those kind of calls. A chain through is another one. But Relay the Ducey would have to be my favorite call. In the plus yeah, list. That, that, that's mine. Somebody had asked me that. I agree 100%. Uh, Relay the Ducey is one of my favorites on the um, plus level for sure. And I, I, I did not know that about the side of the Grand Square. Did not know that. Um, so I, I, it makes a lot of sense now. And I was always, even before I was a caller, I would never, I would count out the steps in my head. I never cut it short. I'd always go exactly in the position that I was supposed to be. And of course, the other dancer would be waiting on me because they are cutting it short, you know, a step or two yeah. in there. So they are. Uh, it's, it's about that swing at the end of it that they want to get in there yeah. for that swing. 
you know, where the swing at the halfway point. But um, I hope if any dancers are listening to that, they'll they'll think about it. Absolutely. But I'm not going to be the police and, and give everybody, you know, scold them about it. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, they're, as long as they're having fun, yeah. what scares me more than anything else is if people, I saw people getting tripped up on Grand Squares because of people cutting it short. Mm -hmm. I've seen people fall and break a hip because of people cutting it short on a Grand Square. Um, so, and, but I can't do anything about it. I can teach it the right way. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had dancers come up to me in many classes and says, why don't you teach that circle to the line where they just slide out? I said, no. What do you mean, no? You know, you know, we're, we're paying you to teach. You should teach. How I said, no, you're paying me to teach the right way. And and they're like, well, isn't circle to the line where you slide out one of the ways that no. And I says, besides, that's just a bad habit. Everybody does it. So I said, what's going to happen is I'm not going to teach the bad habits. They're going to learn it from all you angels. I don't have to teach it. That's what you know? I and So you'll never see me. You'll never see me teach a shortcut of a call uh, in circle to the line comes to mind. Okay. You know, so. Yeah. But, uh, unfortunately, a lot of the habits come from the angels. And I appreciate I've, I've just finished my first class. I mean, my first set of dancers we're having our halfway dance tomorrow night um and i'm prepared for the halfway dance by the way i'm not going in with a full set knowing um that's good so back yeah, to that but uh yeah so you see that and you have to have a talk sometimes i did not have to in this situation but with your angels because you know first night they're wanting to when you have a angel say it's a man uh, that's working with a brand new dancer, they want to swing immediately when they get back home. And I'm like, don't, okay. please don't swing because that's not what we're doing now, you know, and the little things like that. So, yeah, that's something you have to address with angels. Um, yeah, it's all about the leadership. You know, when, when we take this role on as a square dance caller, we become a leader. So we have to sometimes step up to the plate and do things that we don't like to do or things we have. Uh, I always talk with the angels prior to the lessons and yes. say, listen, you guys are just angels. You know what that means? You you guide them. You don't really show them how to do the calls That's because that's my job. So you guide them into the place where they need to be. And if I see you guys guiding somebody or helping them get to where they need to be, then I know that I need to take the come, come back and take the time to teach. So I said, because we don't need 10 teachers. Yep. We need we need 10 angels. Yeah, you can't have 10 teachers. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and most of the time, the, the dancers are very, uh, they're, they're like, okay, we understand. We, we, we get that, you know. Uh, and I would say 90%, 95% of the dancers are very happy with doing that. But, yeah, yeah. but it's good. And I yeah, also so, tell some, uh, some of the angels who aren't the most experienced in the world, I'm like, hey, why don't you use this as just a, you know, a graduate class for yourself? You know, just listen to me as, as, listen to me as much as you're helping, you know, and you pick up on something that you didn't get your first go, you know, last year when you came through. Well, you, you know, Charlie, and, and I think, I, and I know that you're aware of this. If, if you put 10 callers and ask them to teach the same call, 
10 colors is going to teach it in different ways. I have their own little catchwords to make that dancer successful. You know, uh, the definitions are out there, but it doesn't mean that we have to teach it word for word for word. It's nice when we can, but I mean, I've seen guys teach I call it this way or that way. And I'm like, that was pretty cool. That was pretty slick. And they were successful with it. So and it, and it, it was close to the definition, but not not to what it was exactly the definition. So yeah, teaching, teaching people is, uh, I always tell guys, when you teach a class, teach the definition the right way. Because you're branding those dancers with your name on it. And when those dancers, they go out and dance. Well, who's your color? Who taught you how to dance? Tom Miller. And, and if you're not good dancers, they're going to be oh, yuck. You know, what kind of color is he if he can't teach a class or why these people are dancing the way they are dancing? Sometimes we don't have control to how the dancers are dancing. But that's why I always say teach it the, the proper way. Teach it the right way because that brand has your name on it and, and you can be proud the way that you taught you never have to second guess it to wonder if you did the right thing and people will let you know how how well you did with teaching a class when they go out to a dance someplace and you say how'd you do how'd, how'd, you, how'd you do with uh with whoever well we made a couple mistakes but overall we were pretty good well then then you did your job you should be very proud of what you're doing and I tell guys that all the time. That's why it's important to go to these teaching seminars, pick up all the hints, talk talk to the the to the the well seasoned callers, the legends that's that, that's left out there, and ask them how they teach certain calls. You know, um, any anything to better yourself as a caller. Yeah. I, I do that, um, and we did the SSD program with um, my group and uh, same thing. I would call one of my buddies like Sean Butler and I was like, hey man, this grand square, how do you approach it? You know, because if it's your first class, which it, this time it was for me, it's a little overwhelming when you're trying to, cause I know the grand square and I could dance literally with my eyes closed, but telling somebody else, because just like you said, um, people are gonna learn differently, the dancers. You're going to have some that can do it just by you saying it. Others want to see somebody do it. So you're going to have to have examples. So, yeah, I, I am not a, I am not uh, too shy to call someone and say, hey, how do you approach this? Um, yeah, and you have and to find different ways. That's, that's a smart thing to do. And listen, we, you know, anytime we teach, we got to take the consideration of the age of mm-hmm. people, the young, middle age and, and older people. And uh, oh, I don't even think about it. I fall in, into that category of older people. Well, right there with you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Yeah, but anyway, um, so we have to look at all that because as you move up the list, their mobility is not as good as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. So we got to find that medium, we got to teach it properly. And, and hopefully they'll figure it out. And I think that's sometimes why we get shortcuts. Sure. Uh, 
on some of these calls is because of the mobility to a lot of the dancers. And kudos to them. I give them all the credit in the world for doing what they're doing, let me tell you. I, I tell a lot of them, too, um, whether they be younger dancers or older dancers, even before I had a club, if I went to a club dance, at some point during the night, I would make it. I'd say, hey, you know, get out and go dance to other callers. Just like you were saying earlier, they get to hear your voice when you start a dance, when you're programming. You want them to hear you. Um, you, you have to hear other people say square through four. Because the way I'm going to say it is going to be different than you. It's going to be different than somebody from California. It just sounds different. Um, so you have to, to be a better dancer, you have to dance to more people. You can't dance to one club caller for five years and you st stroll into a national convention and you're going to be like, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. No, it's because you haven't listened to other people calling, you know. Sure. So to be a better dancer, you have to you have to call, and to be a better caller, you gotta listen to other people. You gotta listen to other teachers like yourself. Um, just a, a wide variety is gonna make you better. So. Ken Bauer told me years ago. He says, Tom. He says, take all the criticism that you can take as a caller, regardless of how long you've been calling. Take all the criticism that you can. And don't be upset with any bad criticism you get. And he said, if you don't like it, don't throw it away. Put it in the little Rolodex, Rolodex up in your brain. And he said, somewhere, someday, sometime along your way, something's going to happen. And you're going to think, and was, wait a minute, I remember what, you know, Ken told me. And there it is. Mm -hmm. So I tell guys all the time, as a caller, you've got to learn to take criticism. And and we we love to hear the good criticism. Yeah, we don't like to hear the bad criticism, but the bad criticism is what makes us a better caller. Mm -hmm. Bad criticism is what makes us a better person that we can stand up in front of people and entertain them, and just be 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 blessed that we can do that because we listen to what people had to say. Yeah, every. Every caller school I go to, um, and I try and do at least one a year. And like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be at the GSI school before the convention next week. You know, I go in there thinking, wait till they see what I can do. And as soon as I go in, whoever the instructor happens to be for GSI or whatever, and they're like, you need to do this, 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 and this. I'm like, oh, I thought I had this thing, but you learn from it, you know. And I've been to so many Ken Ratucci schools, what have you, um, and I love Ken. And every time I'll go up there and I'm just calling, thinking, I got this, I got this. And Ken's like, get your hand out of your pocket. And I thought, well, how did you even notice that? I was doing really good. And you pulled out, but take your hand out of your pocket. Um, so, yeah, you, you got to take the, the not bad criticism, but the constructive criticism, as well as, hey, man, you're the greatest caller I've ever heard. You got to take it all the same weight and go from there. Well, Tom, yep. what's back to you? know. Well, okay. the thing, the thing about, excuse, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the, no, thing, no, no, go ahead. the thing, the thing about, uh, like myself being a credit caller coach, when I go uh, and go listen to other guys call, whether it's at the national or over maybe Rome, Georgia, when we all get together mm -hmm. over there, you can make this. You get to work because of the ball games. Uh, I'm sitting there, and and they'll come off the stage. Somebody will come off the stage and say, "Well." 
do you have any criticism for me? And I'm like, I don't really think I was paying attention. Yeah. And he, I don't, I don't think nothing stood out at me. And they said, well, the next time can we, when you, can you watch? And it's amazing. And it drives Pauline up a tree because she says, all you do is watch those guys. And I said, as an color coach, that's what we do because we're, we're always looking for, you know, things. And all of a sudden I'm catching myself doing some stuff and I'm like, whoops, I wonder who was watching, you know? Yeah. But, uh, uh, and it's, it's sometimes our hands do things. We're holding on to a microphone and, and we're supposed to be holding on with the other microphone or tapping our hand. And, and I'm standing up there with a microphone in hand and I'm going like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, Oh, sorry. Can't, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard to be a hundred percent on the stage. Absolutely. It's, it's hard because we have so much going on when we're on the stage. We're worried about how we look. We're worried about the material that we're calling. We're worried mm-hmm. about how we're sounding. Am I calling too hard? Am I calling too easy? I mean, we have a lot to do when we're on a stage. Absolutely. Now all of a sudden, the guy's going to come up and say, you had your thumb in your pocket. Like, you know, um, I mean, I had I had one guy in a caller school one time. He had a microphone in his hand and he would cross his arms. Okay. And I told him about crossing his arms. And he said, what does that matter? I said, it's showing the dancers that there's a barrier between you're like you're being standoffish if you unfold your hands you're going to be more open to the dancers and they're going to appreciate you more and he said really and i said i'm i'm only telling you from experience so take it for what it's worth yeah i agree, yeah, I agree. three weeks later he called me up and says uh that color school that, that i spent all that money on i said yeah he said the word of advice you gave me about crossing my arms was worth the money. Wow. He says, I, he says, I, I started not doing it. And he said, I built more confidence with myself and the dancers. And I said, that's what I'm talking about. So as a credit of color coach, and we, we, that's what we do. We sit there and listen. And, you know, and if someone's up there calling and I see something, I don't want to walk up to them because, you know, let them call. You know, if, if they want help, I'm, I'm always willing to help anybody that wants to learn how to call. Or, you know, even even help them with their, in the rut, maybe what they're doing and so forth. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great job. It really, truly is. Yeah. And, and, and I can't remember the exact wording he used, but when Ken, the first time, the first school I was at, when he brought up my hand in my pocket, because I used to always do that, he, he, had had, he said, what other job do you do that you walk around with your hand in your pocket while you're doing it? He said, let them know that you're working. You know, you, you, and, and it makes sense to me because there's very few jobs that you put your hand in your pocket while you're working, you know, um, and certainly being a police officer, uh, I don't put my hands in my pockets ever. I mean, my hands free at all times. Um, right. So it makes perfect sense to me. And I'll still catch myself. I'll be up there. And what I started doing is I'll hold the mic cord in one hand with the microphone. That way I can't put it in my pocket. And um, so it's just little things like that, that, that you call our coaches, accredited caller coaches. I mean, it, it's, it's 
it's invaluable what you teach just in something as simple as, hey, uncross your arms, man. You know, that has nothing to do with your calling ability, but it's your presentation. Um, so that's huge, something like that. Yeah, you know, and the, the thing of it is, like, I, I know myself, uh, we put showmanship in, into a slot somewhere. Uh, you know, sometimes if you're doing uh, a, a love ballad type thing, you can hold your microphone and take your other hand and over your heart when you're singing and, and show the feelings. You know, I mean, you sit back and watch some of the, the country stars on stage when they're doing songs like that. They're pouring their heart and soul into it and watch where their hands are. Their hands are out like this or they're, they're, they're touching them. You know, they're, they're that's on their heart because they're just blessed and, and they're trying to get a point across. And they're always doing something with the hands. And this is something that I tell guys, you know, do you realize that the people in the front of the squares paid the same amount of money as the people all the way to the back of the squares? So I acknowledge those people. I'll say, hey, how all you guys do in the back? And look what hands, look at my free hands doing. It's waving to the people in the back. Right. Hey, good to see you. Let's go ahead and get started. You know, so it's all part of that showmanship and entertainment. And before you know it, you know, well, the sky is blue. There goes your hand up to the sky. And there goes the birds flying by. La -da -dee -dee, you know, so the showmanship, just with a little bit of hand movement, yep. so forth, will help with your presentation as a square dance scholar tremendously. Absolutely. Well, a little bit more about you, Tom. I'm going to throw some questions out at you. And oh. you tell me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I started doing this a while back, and I'm sure you've heard it. Um, and uh, right. you tell me some of your uh, what? Uh, just off the top of your head, what's your favorite movie? Any uh, top gun. I'm 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 a Top Gun kind of a person. Wow, fantastic! And underneath that, I'm a, uh, a, a Western. I love westerns. Okay. I mean, I, I fall asleep every night with Gunsmoke turned on TV. No kidding. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Uh, I, I love the old I used to make that joke. Um, my in-laws who live in Pooler, Georgia, just outside of Savannah, to this day, if I go to their house, when I walk in either Gunsmoke or Little House on the Prairie, I don't know where they are getting these shows from, but it's always on. <laughs> It's, it's one of those two shows, and um, so and Gunsmoke. I, I, if I go down there, I will see it. If I spend the weekend, so it, it's on the Pluto. It's on the Pluto. Uh, Pluto. Okay. Pluto. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So as far as dancing, um, and these are two of my favorites. Why well, I throw them out: Footloose or Dirty Dancing. Which movie? Yeah. Um, Footloose. Footloose, Kevin Bacon, okay, is my favorite. Um, love Dirty Dancing with, with Patrick Swayze. Um, but Footloose is just a fun movie, and it hit about the same time I was in high school. So, because I graduated in 85. Yep, I graduated in 85, so it was big for me. Yeah. Did you know that they did a, uh, a skit on Dirty Square Dancing on Saturday Night Live? I did not know that. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up on YouTube. You didn't hear him from me. Okay. I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, so I, you graduated I'll... in 85. I graduated high school in 1976. Okay. So, um, and I got married in 1991. Okay. And I had my first child 
when I was 34. Wow, okay. She's 29 now. My young, and my youngest is 27. I become a grandpap for the first time, uh, March of uh, last year, a little boy. Fantastic. So, Congratulations. I'm, a, uh, I'm the baby of four, four, four uh, siblings. Um, my mom, and, none of them square danced. No other square dancers in the whole family? No, uh, my mom and dad both are, are, are passed on to, uh, to the good Lord, had, mm -hmm. had other plans for them. My mom died in 2000. My daddy died in 2012. Okay. Uh, they were my biggest fans. Yeah. Yep, driving you around, man. And not a lot of people yeah. have that story. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a, so um, I uh, I didn't do a whole heck of a lot other than college court dances. That was what I wanted to do. I, I had a little odd jobs. I worked uh, I, I worked for uh, several years at a funeral home, um, helping them with uh, delivering the flowers to the you know the church or uh they they had three they had three funeral homes so when they had multiple bodies then i would be in charge of the, the body the church and so forth and uh, me and another guy would do that so we i did that for a good many years um and then uh in 2016 is when i met pauline in 2017 we got engaged and shortly after we got engaged i i had my health issues with my foot mm -hmm. uh, I, 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 it's a, it's a battle for me, but I am blessed that I have a, a foot that I see every day of my life. I'm, I'm thankful yes, for sir. it. Okay. Uh, and, um, it's, it's been, it's, it's been, uh, just absolutely fun. And I'm looking forward. I'll be 65 in September. Uh, and I'm really look, looking for the next number of years still calling absolutely. And, and traveling and everything like that. So, um, it's still a joy to dance. I've danced to you a few times at whether it be conventions or whatever. It's still a joy to listen to you, man. Um, of course, I didn't hear you when you were coming up, but uh, I don't think you've lost anything. I love dancing to you for absolutely. And just sitting back and listening. I watch more than I dance anymore um, just to try and learn. So I can, I can relate. Uh, yep. <laughs> I can relate. Well, I appreciate the kind words. It's, uh, you, you know, I, I, I love I love to sing. Uh, I, I I love to call. I love to teach, and the funny thing about it was I couldn't even. They wouldn't even let me join the choir at school. You know, I wasn't. They told me that I was too good for the choir, and I'm like, yeah, stop. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me join. They, 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 you know, and I think it's bizarre, but um, yeah, I was. Uh, I didn't go to college. I was right out of high school. Matter of fact, I, I graduated on a, on a on a Thursday night, Friday morning. My mom and dad we packed up and we we headed out to uh, uh, Illinois, Illinois, and Wisconsin for the weekend. I had a couple dances to do in a weekend. Yeah. So. Well, man, and, uh, you're you're one of the lucky ones. You found your calling early, and you certainly made the most of it. Um, for callers like myself and all the other callers you've ever taught. And had any words with um so that, that means a lot you get to do something your entire oh. life that you've wanted to do yep and, and like i said i uh i don't regret it whatsoever i i am i am blessed i i got some of the best friends in the world i couldn't ask for anything more 
not just on the calling side of thing, on my calling friends, but I got a lot of dancer friends uh, all, all over the world. I'm, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's just a blessing every, every day when I think about it. When I sit here and I play with my checkers or I play with a new singing call, I'm thinking this is so much fun. It's still fun after this is my 50th year of calling. So uh, it, even after 50 years, it's still fun to do all of that stuff. That's awesome. I mean, you know, I have checkers beside me. I have every little, you know, the little squares be all the time with me nearby. I, I got everything and anything. I can reach anywhere right now and grab a set of checkers. Anywhere I set, I have a set of checkers nearby because if I come up with an idea, I want to see how it works. And it's it's fun to me. It, it's just really fun. Hmm. Um, you know what's more fun than anything is when I pick something up from another caller and I use it. A lot of people call it stealing. I call it research. Mm -hmm. But really cool is when you call a caller up and you talk to them for an hour and square dancing is not even, a, it, square dancing is not even in the conversation. Right. We I talk agree. about family. We talk about this. We talk about that. You know, it's just really kind of cool. Tim Mariner and I would have an hour conversation about recipes that we were going to do for dinner at nighttime what we were going to cook and we we ended up sometimes cooking the same dish wow. and then billy, billy harrison got got in the mix of it and so what do you how did everybody like it it was we kind of compare recipes and things like that mm -hmm. and and here we are three full-time scoreboard scholars talking about recipes you know, uh, that, that, and that was so much fun and there's so many memories, but I, I, I couldn't ask for anything different. Wow, and, that's fantastic. You know, and I love meeting new callers and I, you know, uh, I know we had, uh, met many times over the past several years and yes. even the dances and so forth. And, uh, it's, it's always, it's always it's always good to see and be somewhere where you can listen and learn. And I tell guys this, when you quit learning as a square dance caller, you need to stop calling and move on to something else. Sure. sure. You always got to learn. Yeah. You always got to do, you always got to better your trade. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the golden rule. And if you don't want to go out and go to a seminar or just go to a dance and, you know, if you ask me the question who my favorite caller was right now, it would be Tony. Mm -hmm. Tony is a person that I respect more than anything else in this business. His 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 choreography, his vocals that he does, it is incredible. And uh, anytime that I get a chance to go hear Tony, let me tell you something. I'm learning when I walk away. Sure. And uh, he's, he's, he's one of my favorites. He's, he's always been ever since I first worked with Tony in 1976, I think it was. Him and I did a festival up to Pennsylvania. And uh, he was, from that time on, you know, that's when he had his long hair and yeah. the, the, leisure, the leisure suits and the whole nine yards. But he has been one of my favorites ever since. You know, yeah, he's, he's had a big influence on me, um, like I say, and it goes, and it, I had a bunch of local callers in Georgia 
when I first started out. Uh, Ray Monty, who's passed away. Um, Randy Ramsey, who's still calling. Um, and uh, there was a, a John Johnny Jones that was in Georgia. Um, he passed yeah, away. A few, yep, he passed away a few years ago. Uh, he would take um, me to lunch and just talk about you know figures and choreography, and uh, you know so I took all that in, and then I started hitting schools, and um, you know the Tonys and uh, the GSI, everybody. Um, it was just fantastic getting to listen to them, and I do. I go to dances sometimes and I don't dance a bit. My wife doesn't go to a whole lot of dances anymore, but I'll go if Tony comes, if you came into Georgia, if Tony came into Georgia, I would go just to listen. And, you know, and I'd sit there and I'd, I'd have my phone. I'd set it right there on the stage next to you. I'm like, I'm going to get some of that patter. I'm just going to listen to it and I'm going to get some. Nothing wrong with researching, you know. Nothing absolutely. Um, and, you know, and I'll go back and break it down. And I'm like, wow, I've never thought of that from this position. So, you know, you, you got to learn the whole time. So Yeah, you, you, you constantly got to do it, you know. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, with your caliber of a collar and Tony's caliber of a collar and my caliber, and, and we start naming all of these names. We could be here for hours. At the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all square dance callers. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, and, and even though we might be out doing the festivals, we might be getting a chance to go overseas and, and record and do this and that. At the end of the day, we are still the square dance callers just like everybody else. We're just blessed that we get to do what we get to do and, and things like that. And I tell all of the guys all the time, don't be discouraged. you got to keep working at it. And no matter where you are with your calling, if you're out there calling and teaching, then you're doing the job that you know that you can do you're out there doing the right thing with promoting and, and helping square dancing every time you pick up that microphone. Yep. So don't be discouraged that you might not be getting this weekend or that weekend, this weekend. There are still a lot of weekends out there that I've never, never had the opportunity to call. You know, there's quite a few. So I, I'm always working, hoping that people would hear me and, and, and book me for some of these weekends. And that's with everybody. Everybody has those dreams to do certain weekends. There's, and and I, I, I'll never stop with my job. I'm always learning. I'm always asking questions. And it's, you know, I, I have choreography questions. I go to Billy Harrison, Vic Cedar, or Daryl Lipscomb. Yep. You know, when it comes anything yeah. like that. Uh, and um, so we're, but at the end of the day, we're just, we're all blessed and we're all square dance callers. Well, I, I took a school uh, uh, and I'll tell you right before he passed away, I took uh, one of Tim Mariner's schools in uh, North Carolina and Billy Harrison uh, was one of his assistants and Paul Henze. Um, and uh, I got a ton out of that. And that was, and that was probably, eight months before Tim passed away. Um, and Tim taught me to dance 28 years ago, roughly. Um, so I've known him for a long time, and I always wanted to do a dance with him. That was one of my big things when I started calling. Like, I'm going to call a dance with that guy. And then, unfortunately, he passed away. So that never set itself up. But um, so. 
Yeah, you were talking about funny stories, and you brought Tim Mariner's name up, if you don't mind me telling a story. Yeah, go ahead. We were working a weekend at Fredericksburg, uh, uh, Virginia, and um, uh, we did on and on. You know the singing Colin Royal, on and on, yes, 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 on yes. and on. So we did that many, many times. Billy's to the left of me. Tim's to the right of me. Of course, here I am stuck in the middle with you, you know, type thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway... One of the things that we always did, or I always did in a certain part of the singing call, I would expand my right hand out. And and Tim would pretend that I hit him in the face, you know, and hold his mouth like this and you know, and check for blood and the whole bit. And then we just continue on calling. And it was a funny thing. We did that dozens and dozens of times. Well, I was up in front where usually Tim usually was back a little bit. Billy was up beside me and not paying attention, not paying attention. I didn't realize that Tim was over. Someone come up along the sideway. He was working, calling on and on and was chatting with him. So he had leaned back. He didn't know where we were anywhere. He was because he was over here having a conversation. And when I did that, I went, oops, I made contact. And I looked over, Tim's holding his nose, the blood's running down his cheek. No, I mean, I nabbed him good on, on the nose when I did that. Because most of the time, he would, you know, step, like pretend I hit him, you know, and grab his nose. This time, it wasn't pretend. We laughed so hard. Oh, my gosh. Because... Someone come up and gave him some napkins. And the next singing call, he calls with his nose, because both both noses, both both nostrils were right. blood. And he packed them with these these napkins, and they were sticking out. And we get up and we did this love song, and and Tim was trying to sing it. It was the hilarious thing oh we've ever God. seen. And I said, Yeah, I, I leaned over to Tim. I said. Keep, keep up the good work. You're really turning these ladies on <laughs> as these two napkins are sticking out of his nose about two and a half inches. So we, oh, we kept, on, yeah, we kept doing that for years. For years, we kept doing that. And this, this was way before cell phones and people taking videos. Yeah. And there was no cameras or anything like that. I'm thinking, Gosh. oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Oh. So, that's one of the advantages with all the videos and YouTube. I watch a ton of YouTube that way because, like you were saying, you know, I get to see most of my friends that are callers twice a year, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. once a year, depending on um, unless I get to do some traveling. So, yeah, I do a lot of YouTube stuff just to watch. And uh, so you're all set for nationals next week? I am. I'll be leaving here Wednesday. Okay. And uh, get in sometime Wednesday and. Uh, leave out on Sunday to come back. Looking forward to it. Yep. Pauline has to work. She has to go to Winston-Salem for her job. So she won't be getting in until on Friday, but she'll be there sometime Friday night. So she'll be there for Saturday. But uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And uh, I guess this is a great place to do this. My hat goes off to Tom and Tina and yes. uh, the Mobile. Uh, the stuff that they're doing and they put together, I think they're planning one hell of a party for us in Mobile. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I got to be honest with you, I I don't I don't think I've seen a national do the advertising, putting out on Facebook all the different stuff 
they're doing in the whole nine yards. Yeah. Um, I, I think they've gone above and beyond and, and I'm excited for them. And I just know it's going to just go smoothly because with all the meetings and, and the talk they're doing. So again, my hat goes off to Tom and Tina. It's going to be a great party in Mobile. And I'm yes. looking forward to seeing you and, and all my other calling friends. So it's, yes. going be, it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be a fun week. We're, we're going to roll in. I'll, I've got a, I'm going to be in Auburn, Alabama Saturday night. And then Sunday we roll in because I want to do the GSI school. Um, one, sure. I get to see everybody too. I'll be learning the whole time. Um, so I'm going to give you a word of advice. What's that? I'm going to give you a word of advice for the color school. Okay. Keep your hands out of your pocket. <laughs> I will do that, sir. If the moment Ken says something, I'm going to like, no, no, no. Tom's, Tom's ahead of you, buddy. I have no hands Ken, in the pocket. Ken, Ken's not going to be there. He's not going to be there. I did not. No, Ken's that. not going to be there. Okay. Go All right. Well, I, I will pass it on to him next time I talk to him that you made sure I didn't put my hand in my pocket. Uh, Tom, it's been a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much well, for is, doing this. Um, my and, pleasure. Uh, this, has been fun. this has been fun. You brought, you brought back a lot of memories. I'm glad. I'm glad. And that's part of it because like we talked beforehand. I talked to everybody. Um, there's a bunch of callers that don't travel, that don't get to the conventions, that don't get to nationals. Um, can't make it to call a lab um, and there's dancers and the stories you told tonight and things like that. That's what I want to get out there um, because it is a fantastic community that we have of callers um, and dancers. But, uh, you know, there's callers that nobody knows except for two hours on a microphone. And that's not who we are. You know, we're personality and everybody's got their own little thing. So, man, I couldn't thank you enough for doing this tonight. It's a pleasure. I appreciate it. And Charlie, if I, if you don't mind me saying, uh, any caller out there that you want to, uh, you know, hone your craft and make it better than what it is, and you think you're in a slump or anything like that, don't be afraid to call me. I'm always okay. available. I'm willing okay. to help anybody. I mean, and and that goes for anybody. I I don't care. I don't care who it is. You know. Uh, whether you're a caller of zero years, two years, three years, 10 years, uh, you know, we get in ruts. Every yeah. one of us get in a rut every now and then. Uh, and life gets in a way. And when we, you know, and, and that's what you do. But know that I am always available. You can check in on, on Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook quite a bit. Uh, it's always on. My phone's always turned on. And, uh, but Charlie, I can't thank you enough for. It's always been a pleasure, brother. Um, I will see you in about a week. And um, yep. Um, so you're coming so, in on Wednesday. Uh, I'll be there. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get together during the uh, convention and afterwards when when everything shuts down and we're in the hotel. That's a whole other story. So yeah, but that time we'll all be ready to go to bed at our age. <laughs> no kidding, buddy. Tom, it's a pleasure, right. brother. I will talk to you Thanks, in a couple man. of days. Okay, we're gonna pass the numbers up. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get this thing out there and pass the numbers up. Absolutely. I'm gonna send you a copy of it. Um, like I was telling you earlier, um, this Friday, uh, I've got one coming out. So you're the, the weekend that we're gonna yeah. be in Alabama, you're coming out. And so we, we'll definitely get the word out and get some people watching. Oh, that's, this. that's gonna be exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. I, All right, I Tom. appreciate it. Take care. Good talking to you, buddy. Bye bye.